This message is brought to you by Trinity Community Church in Cary, North Carolina, where we love God, love others, and make disciples of Jesus. For more information, check out www.tritrinity.org. Thanks for listening. So we're looking at the parable of the sower. And the main point of the parable, uh, before we get into the scripture reading, is that the proclamation of God's message of salvation will yield a certain yet unexpectedly abundant harvest in God's time. Let me repeat that. The proclamation of God's message of salvation will yield a certain yet unexpected, unexpectedly abundant harvest in God's time. If you look at the parable of the sower, the first thing you notice is that the sower is not fretting over the seed that is lost along the path. And the harsh reality is that many of us, many people will hear God's message and will yet not accept it, accept it, receive it. And yet in spite of three out of four failures, in the parable, where you have the seed falling on the rocky ground, the path, and the thorny along the thorny ground, in spite of three out of four supposed failures, the word of God produces an abundant harvest with the seed that fell on good soil. And so today we're going to look at the seed on the path that fell along the path, and the birds came, and the scripture says, devoured it, or take, took it away. And so the title of the message is appropriately, Bird Food. That's, you can laugh. It's all right. Relax. Bird food. I was reminded of the parable this week when I have a little bird feeder outside my office. I finally found the one that is the squirrel buster. I think it's called the squirrel buster. It, it basically has a spring mechanism on it so that if a bird or a squirrel that is heavier than a certain amount tries to perch in order to get food, there's a, there's a door that kind of closes so that he can't reach the food. Well, of course, then I watched the squirrel kind of climb up the pole and kind of reach over sideways, you know, to try to try to reach it or, or jump or crawl up on the windowsill and then jump from the windowsill and try to get the food. But um, but as I watch birds come to the feeder outside my office window, they begin plucking seeds, they begin cracking seeds. And of course, the shells and, and the debris goes all over. I mean, the bird has no regard for, you know, shells falling on the ground, no manners at all. I couldn't believe it. Of course, I did put the seed in the feeder. I didn't sprinkle the seed along the path, but even just filling my bird feeder outside my office window, if I spill some of the seed right along the bushes there, the birds immediately find it and pick it up. So the big question that is raised in this parable is this. Can Satan actually prevent someone from believing God's message? Or, to put it another way, can we as human beings really change the condition of the soil? If the soil represents people who are receiving God's message or hearing God's message, can we go from being rocky soil to good soil? Can a person's heart go from thorny soil to productive soil? Can a person have the message plucked away and yet at some later point receive God's word of salvation? And the answer to that is in the text. As Jesus said these things, he called out. He called out. He who has ears to hear, 
let him hear. So let's go to God's word in Luke chapter 8. And I'll read, uh, read that first. And then I'll go back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And then I'll read from John 8, verses 43 through 47. So Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not, may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns... They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is God's word. And then we'll go back to Genesis chapter 3. And we'll read the account of Adam and Eve, verses 1 through 7, Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
And then John chapter 8, verses 43 through 47. John chapter 8, verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? This is Jesus speaking. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would teach us through your word, by your word, by your spirit, that Jesus, you uh, would be lifted up, high and lifted up in our minds and in our hearts, that we would see you, the crucified and risen Savior, who is now interceding before the Father on our behalf. We thank you, Father, that you have appointed a day when your son Jesus will come to judge all of the living and the dead. We thank you, Lord, that your kingdom will never end and that you have declared from all eternity to bring people to yourself by grace, through faith in Christ. May we hold fast to that confession today. As we learn your word, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, these are some hard words, aren't they? Three, question, three questions, I don't have sermon slides today, so you'll have to jot down uh, some of the, uh, the points in, in your bulletin or uh, on your tablet or, uh, you know, just don't use Google Voice or Siri while you're in the service and say, you know, Siri, write down these three points. <laughs> Uh, Matt, could you turn it down just a, a tad? It's ringing a little bit in my ear. Thank you. So three questions we're going to answer. What is the word that is sown? Who is Satan and what is his agenda? And then thirdly, how do we make sense of that given that Satan snatches the word away? Or in Luke chapter 8, it says specifically, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And then Jesus interprets that and says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So what is the word that is sown? Who is Satan and what is his agenda? And how do we make sense of that given that Satan snatches the word away? So first, what is the word that is sown? Well, look back to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 we tell, tells us of the birth of Jesus. And this is the story that is told at Christmas. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the, that's the word, that's the message that the angels gave to the shepherds. And so then in Luke chapter 1, even before that, you have the prophecies of um, uh, Zechariah and Simeon. And so Luke chapter 1, verses 68 and 69. I should not have turned the page because I was going to turn right back there. Luke chapter 1, verses 68 and 69. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, Zechariah's prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And now, again, that word visited doesn't mean, hey, I stayed over for two days and then went on my way. He has come, he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And so the word that was sown was that there is a savior, first of all. Secondly, according to Zechariah, that he is the promised savior in the line of David. And then if you go further in Luke chapter 2, after Jesus' birth, the words of Simeon, verses uh, chapter 2, verses 30 through 33. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So the word that is sown is the good news that first of all there is a Savior, that this is the promised Savior according to Zechariah, and then Simeon says this is a revelation to the Gentiles, that this is the promised Savior not only for Israel but also for the nations. And then John the Baptist comes and he adds to that word in chapter 3 by saying this in chapter 3, verse 6, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Amen? Isn't that what we desire to, to see happen in our world? That all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That Jesus is God in the flesh. And then Luke chapter 4 at Jesus' uh, baptism. Um. Excuse me, Luke chapter 4, the Spirit descends at Jesus' baptism. Jesus is then brought into the wilderness, uh, and he defeats Satan's temptings in the wilderness. And then in chapter 4, he teaches in the synagogue. And in Luke chapter 4, um, Jesus begins his ministry, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the text he reads in the synagogue at Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim the year of jubilee, to proclaim the year of God's mercy, the time of God's mercy. So the word that is sown is that there is a Savior, this is the promised Savior. This is the promised Savior not only to Israel, but also to the nations, that all flesh will see the salvation of God, and that Jesus is the fulfillment of that. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is now upon me to preach good news to the poor. So the word that is sown with a small w, if you will, is Jesus' message exactly at the beginning of the book of Mark, where Mark does not have the birth narrative, but he picks it up with Jesus' public ministry. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near, the time is fulfilled, repent and believe the good news. 
Now, the word in terms of capital W, if you will, is Jesus, a God incarnate, as the Apostle John refers to him in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the word is not only Jesus, but in the parable of the sower, Jesus is referring to God's message of salvation going forth. So it is Jesus' own words and teachings which are the seeds which are sown. He is the one sowing the word. It's interesting to think about where Jesus tells the parable of the sower. What the parable of the sower means is actually happening as Jesus tells it. You ever think about that? Here Jesus is explaining to his disciples, this is what the parable of the sower means. The message will go out. Some will fall along the rocky path. Some will fall uh, fall along the path. Some will fall along the rocky soil, sprout up, and then they'll die off. Some will fall along in the thorny soil. And some will bear a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold. That was happening amongst the people who heard Jesus' message that day. Because all you have to do is read the gospel accounts and see that there were people who rose up and opposed him and there were people who flocked to him. And so every time the word is preached, every time the message is preached, repent and believe the good news that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he forgives sin and that he offers you his Holy Spirit to live in your heart so that you can be with him forever, but also now that you can have his power, his, the power of the risen Christ, which is the Holy Spirit living in you. Believe that good news. That happens every time the word of God is preached, that that message is going forth. Amen? Now, thirdly, God's word, we refer to God's word. Typically, when we say God's word, we're referring to the Bible. So we used to have a joke as college students. We would say, well, it's important you spend some time in the Word every day. And so uh, I remember, I think it was in college, maybe during a summer uh, where I was working at a different place, we had these bunk beds. And they were uh, bunk beds that had the two-by-four frame. And the one fellow thought he would be real uh, funny, and he just wrote the Word on the side of his bunk bed. And he said, I'm spending time in the Word every day. <laughs> He was also taking a nap. But, uh, you know, that's why you don't have snacks before the prayer meeting, right? Because you get that sugar in your belly and then you're like, you know, getting drowsy, right? So God's word, we refer to it as the Bible, but the Bible, all of the Bible points to Jesus. And then fourthly, the word, are, if you could use a small letter W, the word is the words, are the words that we share that align with God's word, which also point people to Jesus. So in the parable, God is the one who is giving the message of salvation. And yet even now we participate in that, in in advancing God's kingdom, not by our power, but by his power. But we are the mouthpieces that he uses to tell others about Christ. So sowing the word, if you will, is are the words that we share, which align with God's word, and which point other people to Jesus. Because the fact is, right, that every one of us sows seeds into other people's lives, either good or bad. I remember the first coach that, uh, that I, I think uh, Muriel had in uh, Pee Wee Soccer. He was another Christian man in town, and, and 
you know, these are maybe six, eight-year-old children, and he said, I want you to remember one thing about how we talk to each other as teammates. He said, we give life-giving words. We use life-giving words. He didn't give them eight rules about how to be on the team. He didn't give them ten principles of how to be an, an effective you know, leader on your team or have all these skills. He said, we, when we talk to each other as teammates, we use life-giving words. And you know what? The kids can remember that phrase. And I remembered that. Because I thought, that is simple, but that is profound. And so every one of us sows seeds into other people's lives, whether life-giving words or whether they are words that, uh, that are harmful. The book of Proverbs says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. The fact also is that every one of us is, to, is called to sow not only seeds, but gospel seeds in other people's lives. And so if we stop and pray and listen to the Holy Spirit, God will tell us when to sow those seeds. I get up in the morning and I think, what are the things I have to do today? Where do I have to go? How much do I have to prepare? What do I need to write down? Who do I need to email? And then, of course, I get all frustrated that I'm answering messages from other people. Oh, this answering these messages is stopping me from sending these other messages. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of that vicious cycle, right? You know? <laughs> of course, I try to use that as a reason for not being able to get certain things done, but that's not the reason. And so my point is, why, do, why don't we stop at the beginning of each day and say, Lord, show me an opportunity where I can plant a seed in someone else's life, perhaps a gospel seed. For Christmas, uh, my sister Karen is great about picking out interesting uh, gifts. I should hire her to do my Christmas shopping, actually, <laughs> because I don't think she enjoys it that much, but she's always good at picking out interesting gifts. And so uh, she knows that Corinne and I li both like popcorn, microwave popcorn. And so she got for us Amish buttered ladyfinger microwave popcorn. Now, I was fascinated that it was Amish. Uh, of course, we were both excited that it was buttered. Uh, but ladyfinger microwave popcorn, ladyfinger corn is a very small kernel, which uh, I guess is a little bit easier to eat because it's smaller and it just has a little bit different taste. It's one of the heirloom seeds, apparently. Uh, the, uh, so you can go online and get you know special uh, kernels of corn that are certain seeds. None of the seeds that any of us sow in people's lives are going to look the same. One person may have a wonderful talent for art and be able to, to draw something or, or for music or for um, you know, reading or share a book with someone or uh, other people are gifted in for hospitality. You know, some people want to have other folks over to their house and, and you know, some people are like, other people over to my house, that, would, that like what's, is what scares me the most. <laughs> Whatever kind of seeds God has given you, we are to sow. He uses all kinds of different seeds when we make ourselves available. God uses every one of us to sow his word into other people's lives. 
Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says this. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Talking about the words that we use and how we talk to people. 